This week's episode is brought to you in partnership with Zero Procure, who are here to make procurement simple, offering great value and quality for products and services, all for zero cost. And what business wouldn't want that? I am delighted that their support will now help keep this show accessible and free to listen to wherever you access your podcasts. Please get in touch with them for a chat. Just click on their link in the show notes or visit their site at zeroprocure.com forward slash podcast. Welcome to Hospitality Meets with me, Phil Street, where each week we take a light-hearted look into the stories and individuals that make up the wonderful world of hospitality. Today's guest is Simon Maguire, ex-senior level hotelier and now performance coach with West Peak. Coming up on today's show, Simon gets right on message. There is not a better career than hospitality. Phil makes a global request. Yeah, so everybody just keep being great to everyone and we'll fix everything. And Simon offers up a huge reveal on great leadership. If anybody out there wants my opinion on how to be a great leader, this is it summed up for me in a very short sentence. All that and so much more as Simon chats us through his brilliant career so far. From the outside looking in, Simon has had a career that has just been one constant upwards trajectory. But underneath that, he's had to work through his own adversity and has come out a much stronger person and leader, which he talks about openly. As a result, this is a chat rammed full of amazing life lessons and a huge thank you to him for being so open. Don't forget to give us a like and a subscribe wherever you consume your podcast. Enjoy. And a huge hospitality meets welcome to Simon Maguire. How are you? I'm great, Phil. Thanks very much for having me on. You're very, very welcome. Where do we find you today? I'm at home in Salisbury. So, um, yeah, nice to be at home on a Friday after a week of travel mentalness been up to up to london and bournemouth and all sorts this week so yeah it's nice to be back home yeah well i, I saw a picture, a picture a post of yours on linkedin this morning around the fact that you'd had a, a what looked like from the, certainly from the outside looking in a really good week yeah no it's been it's been a great week uh, i've had quite a big career change i guess after 20 years kind of in the thick of hospitality um, it's a it's a bit of a change of shift. So when you have a really good week where you you start to get into the rhythm of a new role, it's it's really pleasing. So it takes a little while to adapt, but once you get there, it's it's all good. Yeah. So what what is it that you? Well, actually, just tell the world who you are and what it is that you are now currently doing. Yeah. So um, Simon, um, I live down as I said, I live down in Salisbury, and I guess for the last twenty years or. It's actually 25 years because I started when I was 12 years old or 13 years old, been working kind of full stop in hospitality. But last November, I made a a bit of a jump into performance development and uh, working with a a company now called Westpeak. But really, we're trying to work with companies, I like to say, to, to fine tune their performance they're normally pretty strong performing companies that we tend to work with, but we're a bit like that kind of elite coach with an athlete just trying to fine tune that performance. Great stuff. Well, we will absolutely get into that at some point down the line, but you you alluded to the fact that you've been in this industry since you were a wee lad. So take us all the way back to the beginning. How did you get into the industry in the first place? So I got into the industry through a friend. Um, My best friend got a job down at the local. It was kind of a sort of pub stroke tea room. And he was washing the dishes. And he said to me, you know, why don't you come along? And and they've got they've got space for another pair of hands on a Saturday and Sunday afternoon. So I did. 
he called in sick for that shift. So when there was supposed to be two, it was just me on my own on my first shift. Right. Busy, busy Welcome to hospitality. Welcome to hospitality. So it was a busy, it was a busy shift. And a funny story is that I got halfway through that shift and I hated it. I hated every minute of it. <laughs> and I remember the chef, um, the sort of head chef at the time shouting at me and he needed the plates back quicker. And I, I decided I, I just walked out. Thought I'm not, I'm not, I'm not up to this. And the place was about two minutes away from my house. So I walked home and my dad was there and he said, you're home a lot earlier than was expecting. I said, yeah, no, it wasn't for me. I, I walked out and he marched me back down there. <laughs> I'd only been gone about 10 minutes. So it looked like I'd gone for a cigarette break. He marched me back down there and told me to finish what I'd started. And um, by the end of my shift, I, I kind of got on and started to enjoy it. And I think the fact that I came back and the fact that I turned up the next day, I seemed to win the respect. Maybe no one else did turn, turn up the next day. And uh, yeah, and I kind of cracked on from there, really, and never looked, never looked back. Yeah, that sounds like an amazing place to work. But I tell you what, there's a sliding doors moment for you right right away, right? I mean, what, what if you'd have gone home and your dad had gone, oh, well, there'll be other jobs, son, don't worry. Yeah, who knows? Definitely a sliding a sliding doors moment. And um, I kind of then went to university and carried on working my summers and Christmases. I'd moved to a hotel, which is now part of Alexander Hotels. It's called Barnet Hill. But back then it was a conference center. And I worked in the housekeeping department throughout my summers and, and all of that for about three years. And then I just loved it. I just loved the atmosphere and the fact that, that you were a team, the fact that you could make an impact no matter what job you did, the fact that you could interact with the customers. I was just, I was literally addicted. And as soon as I finished university, I applied for a, a management training role with Firmdale Hotels in central London. Right. Okay. So here we are. Well, that's a few years on from that first shift whereby, you, you know, your words, you hated it. When did it start to become less about hate and more about actually this is actually something that I think I could get into? Yeah, I think I think it was just as you get into it and you start to form relationships with people and, and you have managers who really kind of care about you and, and kind of show you the way and take the time to train you and develop you. I think it just became, I, I got better at it. I think that was that was important. Um, I felt like I was delivering some value, not only to the business, but to the customers and to my teammates. And you didn't, you didn't want to let people down. You didn't want to let your team down. And so you, you kind of felt part of something and you felt part of delivering a really great guest experience. And so I think that's what grew on me. And I really just learned to love the buzz of it. Yeah, I do you know. I, I know you're a, a, a guy that's heavily into his sport. Uh, I know that that's also not always been the case, and we'll definitely talk about that at some point. But and actually, like you, my story is much the same in in terms of well, in as much as I, uh, my mom and dad had a hotel, and I'd, I'd kind of naturally worked for them in that that process. But actually, when I was a teenager, I hated the work, and I've been quite open about that uh, actually on this podcast. But I, I kind of now look at that like it's the, the first time that you decide that you're going to take on, that you're going to become a runner. And the vast majority of people, when they get into running, hate it. And I was no different. But actually, it's just exactly the same in your career. 
if you persevere and you break through that hate period, on the back side of that is you know just the most glorious thing, and it's exactly the same in in your career. Actually, that's where all the gold is when it comes to your career. Is that that moment where you break through the stuff that you you know, you just can't feel like is part of you or connected to you, but then actually, if you just keep pushing through, you know, there's some some wonderful wonderful moments ahead of you. Yeah, and I was I was incredibly lucky when when I went on to work for for Firmdale. I was incredibly lucky to be in an environment of of high growth. They were opening hotels quite rapidly. They had a fantastic HR team, a chap called Mike Williams and a lady called Mari. Legendary. Yeah, and they and they were just developing, you know, getting the absolute best out of people. And so you felt I, I was getting promoted at a far faster rate than any of my school friends in in other jobs whether they were engineers or solicitors and and I felt like you know this was definitely for me yeah so what what era are we in now if you don't mind this will probably age you I'm sure but the um what when did you join Firmdale so that's a good question about 2001 I think right so uh, Firmdale was being run by a managing director at the time called Carrie Wicks who also was legendary at- <laughs> yes, absolutely fantastic. A little bit scary. Uh, I'm still in touch with her, so I hope she won't mind me saying that. But um, she got the absolute best results out of people. Um, she was very fair. She was very strong. And she had fantastic attention to detail. So, you know, as a team, you had to be, you had to be on the ball. And, and we learned a lot from her. I think that's, that's for sure. And I still regard her as one of the very best. Yeah. And I, I suppose as well, when you're, you're kind of in your career infancy there and you're learning your way and actually maybe at this point as well which part of the business sings to you the most and this is when you're forming your opinion I suppose of what you actually want to become in in your career. Yeah absolutely and and it was nice for me to work for Firmdale because you were able to try all different aspects so I worked in reservations, I worked in the kitchen, I worked in housekeeping Um, but what I really fell in love with was was front office because I felt that that was the best way to impact a guest stay. Uh, I felt like you were really the brain of the operation and you were connected to uh, everything that was going on, whether it was food and beverage or housekeeping. So it was a real central focal point. And I felt like I could learn the most there, not only about the business, but the customers. And so I just really developed through there. I did the opening of the Soho Hotel as reception manager that was a great experience to be part of an opening team of, of quite a big London hotel and then uh, went on to be deputy general manager at the Covent Garden Hotel for, for many years, which which I really enjoyed as well. Right. Yeah. So how long were you with Firmdale in total? In total, I was with Firmdale for just under 10 years, about eight, eight nine years, I think. Yeah. Right. Okay, yeah, and to be clear, this is not a job interview, so we don't go fact checking this stuff. So. <laughs> <laughs> You're safe, um, but but yeah, no, just to get a sense of, uh, I suppose, yeah, you you would have, I assume, experienced an awful lot of development in that time. Yeah, we, I mean, we were, you know, the training and and the development was was weekly. We were doing courses. We were doing, you know, they were they were just they were just brilliant at it, whether it was in house or. It, bringing people in from from external they were just absolutely brilliant and you were never in a job for too long you you never had an opportunity to get bored before before you knew it you were you were promoted again so right. it was a great culture and people were getting 
because there, there were hotels opening, people were getting pushed up the, the chain very, very quickly. And that gave a great atmosphere and a great culture. Yeah. I think that there's a balance to be had there, isn't there, around like it's great to, to be in an environment where you can get promoted quickly, but you've got to have the support network around you in order to allow you to to make that step up because you know you can very quickly find yourself out of your depth. And if you don't if you're not I suppose given the the tools to be able to fail and you know make mistakes and, and just know that your know, people are there to pick you up, not to pull you down. Like that's massively important when you're in a fast growth stage. Yeah, and we see it a lot now at West Peak. We we deal with quite a lot of companies that are in in quite high growth states, and actually that's kind of when we're brought in because it's it's de- trying to develop those leaders as fast as possible and give them some of the tools that you don't necessarily learn on the shop floor. And I think you know even throughout my career, once I then moved on into into other with other companies you know, some of that formal stuff and and some of that kind of classroom stuff proved hugely beneficial for me that perhaps if I hadn't been with Firmdale, I I might not have been exposed to. So I feel feel very fortunate about that. Well, I mean, you know, as I said, formative part of your career, I I suppose. But but what happened next? Where did you head after that? So I, after that, I went to Jersey for two years to run a hotel called the Atlantic Hotel as my first general manager's role. Right. And I really enjoyed that. And I was I was having a great time. And I got a phone call from uh, Mike Williams, who had then left Firmdale and joined a group called Hotel Devan, which was a, at the time an emerging boutique brand similar to I'd call them Firmdale out of town. Uh, right, slightly, yeah. more, <laughs> slightly more casual, but they had a great concept with the sommelier and, you know, really strong head chefs who were using local supply chains and it was it was an incredible it was an incredible brand and I I knew of them and I wanted to work for them so when Mike called me I was over for the interview pretty quickly and I was lucky enough to to get a role uh, as general manager of Hotel Devan Tunbridge Wells at that time it was very rare for them to bring a general manager in from outside the business they tended to promote within so I felt quite privileged to have have got in there and I then went on to manage I called it the Hotel Devan flagship some people would disagree but it was Brighton which was really really busy Uh, 55 bedrooms I think it was and it was absolutely packed 58 bedrooms absolutely packed all the time so uh, that was a great opportunity and then I went on to be regional manager for them and I looked after Brighton, Tunbridge, Tunbridge Wells and Paul. Right. Yeah, yeah. Well, again, developing through. And also, I mean, this company has got a lot to answer for, actually, when it comes to this podcast. There's so many people that I've interviewed who've had a time with Hotel Devan or Malmaison. They were at their pinnacle. They were really, I mean, they were a groundbreaking brand, weren't they, really, in terms of what they were doing and what they were uh, achieving in that space? Yeah. And again, it was it was very, I have to say, it was very similar to Firmdale. It was it was like going from one high growth business to another. Really, they were in that great state where they were uh, people were being promoted across different hotels. There was new hotels opening all the time. There was a real buzz around the brand. So I was just, uh, I guess, lucky on both occasions to land within a business that was in a, in a really great shape at the time. 
and I and and I look back at that part of my career and and just think I was I was really blessed because I still am in touch with a lot of people from from that time. Yeah, you used the word lucky there, but there's no luck without graft and talent. So um, and especially graft, I think it's that old Gary Player one, isn't it? The harder I work, the luckier I get. That's that's the one. There was a lot of graft. There was a lot of graft, but yeah. fun graft. But absolutely, I mean that that that's. I th- that's when you get that balance right like it's a it's just a really infectious place to be isn't it yeah and and it was it was just a brilliant culture that you you just wanted to perform you just wanted to have the guests were loving it you you just you, you actually loved being there because it was a brand that I associated how I would like to spend my own time and so it was it was an easy fit to be there and and meet so many contacts, um, yeah. so many of which I'm still in touch with today. Yeah, and, and again, you've hit another nail on the head. It's 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 much much easier to commit yourself to the graft when you just really get what you're you know, it's just you know, you fit like a glove with each other. It, it's just so much easier to to give everything that you've got for it, isn't it? Yeah, and again, sort of harking back onto to what we do now, you see it in the in the businesses that have great cultures that um, really invest in their people, that there's no sort of clock watching environment or, or anything like that. People are, are genuinely working because they enjoy it. And that there's a whole different atmosphere in businesses that where people work, where they enjoy it because they, they do it for the love, not, not just for um, uh, the job. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so you're now, how many years would you have been in, in your hotel career at this point as a as a regional well and t- how long would you have been uh, in hospitality i suppose and to, to get to that point yeah so nearly 13 14 years right and i left i left hotel divan just within a couple of months of them sort of selling the group sold and at that point the managing director of hotel divan had moved on to a new group called Harbour Hotels, which was in its infancy. Yeah. And I was called by Mike Warren, who is still MD at Harbour Hotels. And he said to me that there was an exciting journey about to take place at Harbour Hotels of high growth. And it sounded... Well, here we are again. <laughs> and it sounded like a great opportunity. Uh, so we had, um, we had a couple of coffees and um, I, couldn't, I couldn't resist. Yeah. So, okay, we're establishing here that you're uh, that you enjoy a, a fast-paced, high-growth business. Yes. Well, certainly at that point in your life, you did. Uh, I'm sure we'll get on to what you like now. But um, yeah, I, I, why do you think that is? I mean, why do you think that that was that, that just was something that seemed to appeal? I think it's probably it probably appealed, and it was probably also my strength. So I think I I'm quite adaptable. I think I found it easy to jump from from not from one job to the next, but I found it easy to to kind of multitask. I found it easy to move from one hotel to the other and evaluate things. And I also love the buzz of opening hotels, of bringing teams together, that kind of forming, storming, norming, performing stages and watching that and seeing how teams come together. I absolutely love kind of breathing life into into people and into teams and you get to do that very regularly in groups that are growing fast so 
it, it kind of worked. I was good at it. I also uh, enjoyed it. Brilliant. Well, I mean, you know, so we're at Harbour. Tell us about your Harbour journey. Yeah, so Harbour was incredibly exciting. I think when I joined the brand, they had five hotels and I worked with them again just under five years, uh, about four and a half years, I think it was. Uh, and by the time I left, we we had 16 properties. Wow. So, and really, I suppose my key responsibility was opening those new properties or if they were not a new opening, but a, uh, a turnaround of another brand into from another brand into a, into a Harbor. So that was incredibly exciting. I would say working in kind of high, it was incredibly high octane. And I would say that's where probably I had a young family and probably my work-life balance started to get seriously out of kilter. And it was, it was a really, I enjoyed it, but it was an incredibly tough time and it, and it took its toll on my health. I put on a lot of weight. I really struggled with drink, painkillers. So it was, whilst it was, whilst it was still a good experience and I wouldn't change it for anything, I did find myself towards the, particularly towards the end of that, really struggling with, you know, anxiety and, and things like that. So it was it wasn't it wasn't a bad experience and i and i don't want to put those issues down to any any particular individual or or anything like that it was purely i think years of of running at that speed had taken its toll yeah i've had conversations on and off microphone with people who've been in in scenarios like this before and I, and a lot of the time i hear in situations like that that of course when you have that kind of awakening that something's not right you can actually look at that as actually a positive experience if that makes any kind of sense at all because actually without you i suppose not looking after yourself you don't then have the realizations that hey look i'm not looking after myself here and and, and i need to make a change to do something about this yeah and i noticed you know it was whilst i was at, at harbor and you know whether it was a, a photo taken with uh, I, I had my photo taken with someone who I really admire, Freddie Flintoff, the England cricketer. And I looked terrible in the photo. I've still, I've still got it. And I looked absolutely terrible. And I thought, jeepers, you, you need to do something about your health. But a few other people had, had mentioned something to me as well. And it was just time to kind of throw myself into it and make sure I protected my health for the next however many decades that uh, that I was going to be around because it, it wasn't going in the in the right way and it was leading to it was leading to you know feelings of depression and that so it was I, I ended up leaving harbour but I already had a by the time I was leaving harbour I'd I'd already started that journey of getting a grip on on that situation yeah I, I was going to ask you how did you how did you turn the tide basically and, yeah. and st- I suppose start regaining a bit of control on that so. I think that that's an interesting one for me. I, th- I think I was fairly fortunate in the fact that it kind of was just like a light bulb moment and a bit of a flick of the switch. And I just started, I started boxing, which was really, really good for me. And the uh, boxing gym I was going to early in the morning, Monday to Friday, if you turned up, I think having had a hangover, it wasn't a pleasant experience. <laughs> yeah, no way. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> so I quickly 
that kind of really helped me to to stop drinking, having having that. And slowly but surely, I think momentum is a really interesting thing. Once you, whether you have momentum in a negative sense or a positive sense, even if it's 1% momentum, then you can move things in the right direction. And so many things, whether it was the painkillers, whether it was the mood, whether it was the weight, whether it was the alcohol, everything moved in, started to move in the right direction because of momentum and just kept on layering 1% at a time. And, and I'm still on that journey. It's still 1% at a time. And, you know, four years later, I'm in the, you know, the best shape of my, of my life. And momentum is a, is a real powerful thing, but it's also a powerful thing negatively. Yeah. And we forget that actually a, a lot of people, we think to ourselves, oh, well, why are they that way? Or why are they overweight? Or why haven't they got themselves out of this situation? And actually the, to turn the tide when things have got a strong negative momentum is extremely difficult as well. So I, I think momentum is, is, a huge, is a huge word for me. Yeah, I, I, I could not agree with you more. I mean, it's a word that's used a lot in business and sport, but not so much in personal life. I, I don't think, I mean, I, I certainly I, I have my head in quite a lot of books around personal development and podcasts, or, and I don't hear about momentum in a personal sense. But actually, if you think about it, the, you know, once you've got the momentum in your personal life, everything else will start to be part of that momentum, I would imagine. Yeah, and that's and that's really what happened. I, as I said, towards the end of my harbour journey, I really started to get into good shape. I then was uh, able to secure a role as managing director at luxury family hotels, which was a huge job for me. I was really proud to take on that role, and I did that role for four years through COVID. And the COVID situation, you know, really proved to me that that momentum was taking me in the right direction I was able to manage I would say at the top of my game through that period you know obviously I made mistakes but I really learned about leadership in throughout COVID and and really started to develop a huge passion for empowering others for getting the best out of other people and I saw I saw hospitality at its very best during those four years as as MD of luxury family I saw people work for one another. I saw great examples of people, you know, we were closing hotels and opening hotels within a matter of weeks. You know, we were doing yeah. stuff. I opened more hotels and closed more hotels in the three years at Luxury Family than I did yeah. in the 20 years of my career. You know, it was a really difficult time for everyone, but the attitude, the perseverance, the resilience of not just the people at Luxury Family, but the people across the industry was phenomenal and I felt incredibly proud to to lead a company but incredibly proud to be a I don't know what the word for us is it a hospitalitarian um, something like that yeah that'll do I, I've, <laughs> I've had that a couple of times on here that's uh yeah I that that period was do you know oh, this is maybe me being incredibly naively positive but I think Covid was an essential part of life like as in you know in terms of it it gave everybody a moment to check themselves and and check on 
those who are close to you and check, am I taking my career in the right direction? And check all of these things that you, when you're on the hamster wheel, you just don't necessarily get the, the breathing space to, to do that. And I think a lot of, certainly from my conversations over the, the last couple of years of doing this show, the unity in the industry, I think, has never been stronger. You know, it, it's almost like now the, the industry is coming together to fight the issues that come our way, rather than this, perhaps a siloed approach that had happened uh, historically. We'll never be perfect at, at that, but certainly the willingness to, to join together and figure out how we get round and over barriers you know it's just it's it's there for all to see now i i 100 agree i've seen a real shift post covid of how the hospitality industry is is working together on so many issues supporting each other and it's not just you know hospitality businesses it's the businesses that surround that whether it's the the you know some of the firms that that we were partnered with as we went through covid the, you know, the way they responded, um, you know, the team at, uh, I'll always be grateful for the team at, you know, for example, at Harry, the way they continued to put on events for employees or, you know, who, whoever it was, there were so many companies who stood up and, and did things, um, even if it wasn't for their, for their own people. And, and I think, you know, we should all be really grateful for, for, you know, the efforts that so many put in during that time. Totally. Uh, there's a couple of things I, I'd, I'd like to unpack from the, the last couple of moments of, of your career. Just a question came into my head when you were talking about your, I, I suppose, the, the, the place when you hit the bottom, uh, if you like. And it was really just centered around, uh, you know, if there's somebody out there who's listening to this, who's experiencing, you know, a similar part of their life that maybe they're, they're aware that they're you're not in a good place, either mentally, physically, or both, or, or or whatever. What would you say to them as a kind of a first step to be able to, I suppose, start turning that momentum back in their favor? Yeah, I, th- I think sharing it with somebody. And, you know, I shared it with uh, people who were very close to me. Some people might not feel as comfortable about doing that. And there are other people that you can share with be it hospitality action. I, I know the Burnt Chef uh, project also has a, a, a fantastic support line. So I think as soon as I started, it, it sounds corny, but as soon as I shared it with someone, I felt I'd got rid of 50% of the problem. I'd also right. made it, I, I'd made it their problem <laughs> as well. <Right. laughs> um, so that, that, and I think we can be, when we're talking to ourselves in our own heads, we can be pretty nasty to ourselves. We can be pretty abusive to ourselves. And I think that doesn't necessarily help that momentum. When we share it with someone else, they can be very kind and they can talk to us in a really positive way and say, look, this is where you are now. That's okay. And there's other people in that position, but you can also make a change and you can you can also shift the dial. And I think that probably is is the biggest thing is is get it off your chest because you might you might think you've got it off your chest, but you 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 can never really kind of talk enough. Yeah. I think there's a there's a lot of pride involved in in moments like this, isn't there, in terms of the the you're actually, if you think about it, you 
maybe gotten yourself into a situation like this, not just because of your own things, but stuff that's going on around you and all of that that just builds up over time. And sometimes you just have to accept that you don't have the tools within yourself to help yourself get to where you need to be. You know, everybody talks about that moment of asking for help. It's a big step to take. But yeah, as you say, I mean, just share it with somebody that you care about or share it with somebody completely anonymously, as you say, get on one of the the lines that exist out there. It'll probably be the best thing you ever do. Absolutely. Yeah. Or if there's anybody out there listening and they they need to talk, my my LinkedIn is always available and, and very happy to talk to anyone. Yeah. Brilliant. Uh, yeah. Well, well, I'll I'll park that section because actually, this podcast is not generally a self help podcast. But yeah. but anyway, I, you know, it's a it's a, a I think a very important part of your journey. It has formed who you've become today. I think there's no question about that. Certainly, from your you're a wonderfully positive individual now, and, and not that I'm saying you weren't before because I didn't really know you before. But in terms of what I see, the stuff that you post now is. You know, it's uplifting and it's energizing and it's you know it, it's it's what I want to see on a feed. It's the stuff that brings me energy. So I uh, I salute you for the the monumental change that you've you've made to become who you are now. Yeah, and I th- I think you know after after luxury family, I just I really found my I suppose love in supporting other people's journeys, and I loved the leadership element of that. I loved working with my team at Luxury Family and, and helping to get the very best out of them. And it was a it was a chance meeting with the with the guys at, at West Peak who who deliver this performance development that there was an opportunity there to carry on doing that, but to carry on doing it in a really focused way and with more individuals and doing it across different industries. And I love meeting new people. So for me, it was just this fabulous opportunity to carry on doing the bits I absolutely love about hospitality and doing more of them and doing less of the things, whether it be the finance of a hotel that probably didn't, I probably didn't enjoy as much or, you know, the bits that that, that didn't thrill me on a day-to-day basis. So that's really how I, I made the move. And and just being on 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 being the positive thing I think the self-leadership skills that I've had to learn to try and turn this tide and and get this momentum going, one of the key elements to that and to keeping myself positive and keeping myself going is to support other people or help other people where possible. And that to me gives me a massive lift and a massive buzz. So that's how I kind of keep myself going on that forward momentum. Yeah. And at the risk of sounding uh, philosophical and whimsical, I feel like that's all of our duties is to do that. You know, it, it, if you're lucky enough to be able to be in a position where you can impart positivity and elevation techniques, you know, then do it. Don't wait for somebody to give you permission. Just do it. Absolutely. I think it's there's probably there's science behind it. I think as in it also makes you feel good, right? Because you're. I think there's a a, a chemical release. That takes place if you're if you're being kind or you're doing something good to, to for somebody else, then uh, then that actually has a release of is it serotonin or oxytocin? Yeah, oxytocin, yeah. yeah, indeed, yeah. So everybody just keep being great to everyone, and we'll fix everything. Yeah, are. and it's amazing what you can what you can get out of it, you know. So I mean, that's uh, I'm really excited about uh, an event that we're 
putting on in September, which is is going to be called the um, Fit for Hospitality 10K in Bournemouth, which really came out of all of that positive thinking. I, I thought I was really enjoying having an impact on uh, people through the leadership training. And I just felt, what could I do for the hospitality industry that could give back on a, on a bigger scale? And I thought about the idea of this Fit for Hospitality 10K where we could get as many people as possible running a 10K together. And yeah, and and we're nearly there. We've nearly kind of, well, we've got it off the ground and we've got a date, which will be September the 21st of this year. And I'm I'm super excited about it. Fantastic. Yeah. And is that something that, that, again, is this you kind of exploring your own passions now? Yes. So I'm, I, I guess through this kind of health journey, I've, I'm now a, a triathlete. I did uh, an Ironman, which is, I think, regarded as one of the hardest sort of one-day endurance events in in the world. Uh, so it was quite a journey for me to go from not being able to really get up the stairs with, uh, without being out of breath to to being able to d- do all of that. And what I what I noticed in myself was that although it was taking me an hour or two hours a day in terms of training, my performance at work and my performance in life went on a massive upscale and so my thought and and my mental health so really the reason I wanted to do fit for for hospitality with with you know so many other costs rising in people's lives to give the opportunity to people who might not be able to afford to pay 50 pounds to enter a a 10k or that sort of thing to, to have an opportunity to have uh, an event to train for and to and to run uh, with like-minded hospitality colleagues. Brilliant! Uh, no, I, I, I think it's wonderful. And as you say, this is kind of a this is a byproduct of exercise, right? I mean, ultimately, I mean, we're talking about you've taken yourself up into the stratosphere of exercise now. But actually, you know, I, we've uh, another thing that we've spoken about many times on on this show is is when you've got a positive routine that involves exercise, it's generally going to lift your performance in other areas of your life yeah and and I think you know my wife will will definitely tell you that uh, I'm a much nicer person after I've uh, been for a very long run Um, it seems to kind of seems to wash away a lot of my stress and um, whenever I'm not feeling 100% so there's definitely some science behind that one I, I I tend to not know all the sciences. I'm, I'm maybe a bit more of a one of those ones that reads the motivational uh, wish wash, as other other people call it to me. So I love I love all of that stuff. But I I do I'm I'm really excited about the the Fit for Hospitality 10K because I'm just really looking forward to seeing all those people get over the line. And I think for some people that 10K might might be a real a real great moment in their journey as well. Fantastic, um, West Peak. We West have, Peak. Yeah, we have. Uh, we've. Well, actually, before we get to that, we kind of we did kind of skirt over luxury family hotels a little bit. That was my fault because I then took you back to your your story before. But you were there for for actually a good chunk of time, and obviously COVID played its part. But tell us about luxury family hotels because I, I think they were they were fairly. Was this a, another new fast growth business that was on the horizon for you? So no, I guess, um, is, is the answer to that. Luxury Family was a 30-year-old business. 
right okay that had um unfortunately not had it, it had a great start but due to various sort of troublesome ownership uh, I, i'm not talking about people here i'm talking about kind of the way the finances had been set up it was underinvested in for a long time right and i was lucky enough to join just as we were changing uh, ownership and it was uh, bought by uh, the group that owns the grove which is a fantastic hotel near watford yeah and there was a, a real mission to move the brand forward and i i joined at a great time and we went on to refurbish uh, several of the hotels and we also went on to start development works at Foy Hall, taking that from 36 to 60 bedrooms. We went on to do work at Moonfleet Manor. And what we also did was we massively changed the, the dial on our, uh, our people. And that was, that was really fantastic because we saw a huge change there. So, you know, I think we won the, the KT4 best hr we won the springboard award for employee of the uh, employer of the year last year and it was just something we we all got behind uh, as a team and the only way i can say it is is we really brought the firmdale and hotel divan culture that right. i'd witness into into those properties and um, did you bring in mike was, williams i did bring in mike <laughs> williams no I, I copied a lot of what he did and that is the secret I think to great leadership, and I'm not saying I'm great at it, but I think the secret, if anybody out there wants my opinion on how to be a great leader, this is it summed up for me in a very short sentence, which is copy the stuff that you see on a day-to-day basis that people do well. Yeah. And don't copy the stuff that you see that people do that do badly. And you will become a fantastic leader. And oh, I'm well, sure well. there's a much more eloquent way of putting it. But it's always the way I've tried to, to be is I've really, I've been lucky enough to work for some phenomenal leaders. Brilliant. Phenomenal. But that everyone does things in not such a great way as well. And it's important to recognize that. Not, you don't have to be overly critical, but you can just recognize it and say, maybe that's not how I'm going to act. Yeah, absolutely. And in fact, I've, I've now got a title for your first ever book, but I'm not <laughs> going to not going to divulge it in public because uh, it might actually work. I don't know, but um, yes. <laughs> but but that, I mean, that's ultimately how you form your career as well, though, isn't it? Like you know, you you figure out what type of person you're going to, what time of what type of employee you're going to become by the stuff you see other people doing well and badly, and you you know, in your opinion that's bad. I'm, I don't want to do that. So whenever I get into that position, I'm not going to do that. But equally, vice versa. That was awesome what that person did. So whenever I become an MD or a GM or whatever, I'm going to make sure that that's, that's how I lead. Yeah. So I, I get it. I totally get what you're saying. Yeah, absolutely agree. Yeah. So West Peak, we will, we will now talk about that. Yeah. Talk to us about how did that come about? Because it is, a, it's, I mean, it's kind of, it feels like it's a natural progression based around what you've talked about throughout your journey, but equally, it does feel like it's a little bit left field. Yeah. So yeah, how did, how did that come about? So we engaged with West Peak at Luxury Family. At the time, it was uh, ran by, by two chaps 
and um, two Bens, and they came and worked with with Luxury Family, and I was really impressed with with what they delivered, and and it just really rang, uh, I guess, a chord with with me and and the journey I was on, and seeing how they were teaching some of our senior leaders um, about about leadership and about performance development, and so. You know, we had a we had a couple of coffees, and and I knew it was I knew it was what I I wanted to do, and I I haven't really looked back, and you know I'm re I'm in a really really fortunate position now that I get to go and work with some amazing companies with young leaders or certainly leaders early on in their their leadership journey predominantly, and get to play a really big part on that, and and we we take a we take a slightly different view, I would say. It's not, we don't go in and kind of teach like a like a classroom environment. We look at studies and we might put some studies on the board and then we work with the team to kind of talk about those, to kind of critically analyze them and, and see what's right for them and, and what's not right for them. And it's, it's really inspiring. I mean, this week I was with a, a recruitment firm and a cybersecurity firm and, and just seeing different, perspectives on so many things is is really exciting so i'm i'm glad that we've got some hospitality clients on the way as well so i'm looking forward to getting getting back into into that but i'm gonna have to stop myself from jumping in too deep yeah yeah indeed (laughs) but i think that also what i love about that is is that you know this podcast is here to to promote hospitality as a career but you know i'm not stupid enough to realize that a career doesn't mean necessarily for life you know, a career can be a portion of your life that leads you into something else. And, you know, and your your journey is a a wonderful example of that, is that you've taken the skills of what you've learned after years of leadership that you're now able to apply into other sectors as well. And I think that's something that we don't talk about enough uh, as as an industry, really, that, you know, this industry prepares you for a lot of things. You know, it gives you the tools and the skills that you probably don't give enough credit for when you're in the middle of, you know, a, a bad service and or whatever bad and good looks like in your business. But if twenty years time, you know, you you look at you, you're you're now doing something that's cross sector, but you're able to bring the stuff that you've learned from this life in hospitality into into different environments. Yeah, and I I would I would absolutely agree with with what you say, and I think. For me, and I am biased, but I think there is not a better career than hospitality. And I think that it prepares you and it toughens you. I I think toughen might be the wrong word. I I know what I'm trying to say, but I I think it delivers the most incredible experience for you. And you you become so adaptable. You become resilient. You become creative. You just learn so many skills you learn how to really live in the moment you learn how to to kind of deal with things on the hoof and you you just learn so many skills the people skills are, are phenomenal that you that you learn and actually i think people from a hospitality background are the best place people to go and then work with other groups or work with other verticals because the skill we learn skills across every spectrum in hospitality we learn finance skills we learn marketing skills we learn customer service skills yeah 
and it prepares you like no other. And, and, you know, I feel really fortunate that I've had that background and now going into this role at West Peak, I feel I'm in a really good position to um, support people across many industries. And I think we don't, you know, hospitality is often looked down on, but the truth is it's an absolutely brilliant career and we're lucky and, and fortunate to have worked in it or, or, or certainly been a part of it. Yeah. Totally. Here, here. I've got to put a fanfare over that bit. I think when um, when I come to edit this, but yeah, I and you also forgot it teaches you empathy, which I would imagine in your role now is an incredibly critical skill to have when you're when you're going into sectors and businesses that you don't necessarily understand immediately. Empathy can be, you know, the difference between success and failure. Yeah, and I think I think that's the other thing that we we've really tried to do at West Peak is that we are teaching leaders now in a post-COVID era. And sorry, teaching is the wrong word. I shouldn't say teaching. We are coaching leaders in a, in a post-COVID world. And it's a very different world uh, than it was a few years ago. But still the basics remain. And that is that you know good leadership has to be done by people. It can't be done by a, a computer or, or a, a robot. It has to be done by people. And the best leaders are going to be those that are empathetic and can judge the situation. And they will get the best out of people. So, you know, empathy is, is a key, key skill. And we can always get better at it. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Excellent. You just answered one of the questions I would have asked you later, which is give me three reasons why somebody should join hospitality. So well done. You're you're wonderfully prepped uh, on that but there is there's another question that I'd like to to ask you before I, I let you go I am conscious that your dog might join us in five minutes so <laughs> and that is uh, funny stories any funny stories from your career that you can share with us oh I've I've had a few I'm just wondering I'm just wondering what's going to be libelous and, and, and not <laughs> but um so you know, one of the, I suppose, highlights of my career was working at when I was working at the Covent Garden Hotel. And we we used to get to spend a lot of time with quite famous people, I would say. Yeah. Um, so I had a, I had a couple of really great interactions. So one it was Helena Christensen, the, the supermodel. I got to like she came back from an event one night and I got to help her, like take her necklace off, I think. And she was struggling with her zip at the back of her dress. So that was, that was pretty cool. Goodness. Yeah. And, um, I got to, uh, go and pick up Robbie Coltrane, uh, who was just the most amazing, amazing guy who used to stay at the Covent Garden hotel. And, uh, he used to get me to go out and, and pick up his Chinese order, <laughs> which was, which was, uh, a great order to go and pick up. And I, he always let me have the prawn crackers, which I'm very thankful for. He didn't, he didn't seem to be a big fan of the prawn crackers. So, yeah, no, I guess the other one was John Cleese. I think that was his name, the Monty Python guy. Yeah. Uh, set off the fire alarm at the Covent Garden Hotel because he was cooking the eggs in his bedroom rather than coming down to the restaurant. I think he had a problem with the uh, the price of, of the eggs down in the restaurant. So he <laughs> and he set the fire alarm off for the whole hotel in the middle of central London uh, on a busy Tuesday morning. So... You know, you do you do get some amazing um, experiences uh, working in these in these hotels. So yeah, I think those probably rank as some of my best. I've probably got some others, but I probably have to take those offline. 
Yeah. Well, but there, there was one that you you wrote down uh, about uh, popping some champagne in somebody's head. Oh yeah. Okay. Well, that was that was actually pretty much my first day at work for Firmdale Hotels. There was a back in the day, and some hotels still do it, but there was kind of this manager's cocktail party that would be held on a. I think at Firmdale it was a Tuesday evening, so the GM would invite all the guests in house at the time, plus a few sales contacts to come for uh, a drink at 6.30. And I was on my first shift and I was opening the champagne and um, the, the general manager was there, Paula, and I wasn't very well trained at opening champagne at the time and I popped a cork and it smacked her straight in the head. And this was literally, she turned and this was in front of a lot of people and she turned and she was brilliant. She absolutely, she just laughed it off gracefully and came over and, and kind of cuddled me. Um, she didn't know me from Adam at that point. And she took me aside afterwards at the end and I thought, this is it. I've done it. I'm, I'm being fired. And she was just brilliant. She said, look, don't worry about it. It created a great talking point for the evening. Thank you so much. And then someone else showed me how to open a bottle of champagne properly. And every time I uh, get near to opening anything these days, um, I always remember that. You get triggered. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But that, I mean, beautifully handled by her as well, though, I have to say, because, um, you know, you're, you're, you're already feeling pretty bad in that moment, I would imagine. Like, of all of the people to smack in the face with a cork, <laughs> you know, that's about as bad as it gets in principle. So, you know, what's... What is the point in making you feel any worse than you already feel yourself in that moment? Yeah, 100%. No, it was really well handled. And and again, it's something that uh, you would say I stole from that leader in, in terms of knowledge rather than, um, you know, not copying it. Yeah, brilliant. Well, thank you very, very much for for sharing your story with us today. The um, Yeah, there's I think there's some wonderful, wonderful bits in there for people to to take away on their own journey and wish you well with this next chapter. It sounds really, really interesting. Um, I'll need to grab a coffee with you at some point and talk about it in more depth because it sounds right up my street. <laughs> but pardon the pun, actually. There. <laughs> but uh, yeah, if people want to get a hold of you to, to learn more about you or West Peak or anything that you're up to, what's the best method for them to do that? Yeah, so on my LinkedIn page, Simon Maguire, I'm pretty active on there, or Simon Maguire at thewestpeak.com. Um, and it would be great to hear from anyone, you know, in a business that's looking to really fine tune that leadership performance. Great stuff. Thanks so much, Simon. Thanks for having me, Phil. You're very, very welcome, and I'll catch you again soon. Bye now. Cheers. And there we have it. I hope you agree that Simon's journey is fascinating and inspirational in equal measure. We're so lucky to have people like him in the industry flying the flag. I'll be back next week with more hospitality flag flying, but until then, thanks so much for listening, and I'll see you next week.